What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Tonight, we're going to break down the Hounds' 3-2 win over Swill Park Rangers and preview the team's upcoming match against the top team in the East, New York Red Bulls 2. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty. Oh, Man, that felt good. It's been like three weeks since I got to do that. Guys, you, you did a great job holding down the fort last week. We did not get our uh, InfoWars show from Kevin, you friggin' slacker. I was, I was damn I'm shame. really <laughs> impressed, though, uh, about the amount of attention that that tweet got. I got a little nervous. I was like, all right, well, this will never, this will never be. This will never Honestly, the biggest thing is like it wasn't even just me worrying about doing it. It was I, I really just didn't want to have to like watch it to get cues for like how to act like i just didn't want to go through that so uh but no i was yeah impressed guys impressed by the number of likes that was that was cool i mean for future reference you don't have to watch Infowars just to be a screamy guy like <laughs> i think you get the gist yeah but if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna uh, do it okay, right gotcha. you know what i mean like gotcha. i gotta i gotta like method actor i get exactly it. I get it. yeah brando and streetcar i need to like I love how you... I need to live it. I need to live in the anger for like, you know. I love how we went from Infowars to Brando and Streetcar. Way to go, Cal. As you do. Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, man. Jeez. Uh, Guys, um, it's been a while uh, since we've chatted, and it's been a while since we've taken questions from uh, fans. And so before we even talk about the game, we got a few questions that came in on Twitter. And so I just want to hit you guys up with these real quick. Senator Yik Yak of Pennsylvania on Twitter asked, does the old dog logo have a name? Now, Josh, you specifically went out and said, can you clarify? Like, are you talking about our dog logo or are we talking about the hound's dog logo? And he said the hound's dog logo, but he's open for any dog logo names. So just to put it out there, the old dog logo, are we just saying that's ammo? Is that ammo? Like, like for, for the river hounds? For the river hounds, yes. I'm sorry. I feel like it has to be. It has to be like, ammo, right? You can't just have two different dogs. Right. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be ammo. But yeah. if you had to name our dog logo, what is the name of our dog logo? Clarence? I don't know. I mean, does he have three names since he has three Where heads? Where did that come from? Um, or is I, it just one name? I mean, like, so in Harry Potter, it was Fluffy. And it had That's a good point. Heads. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I was going to make the joke that we should name him Ammo because it could be an acronym for our name. So it's M. Or I mean, uh, A. Kevin. And, <laughs> uh, M for Mike. And then O for Josh. See, it works. <laughs> okay. So I wonder, I wonder if there's a play on words we can do with like Fluffy and Toughy. And like. Maybe we just call it Toughy. <laughs> Tough. Is our, toughers? Is our dog, toughers 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 <laughs> i don't mind toughers so so okay although at the same time we also i don't know i feel like the logo of an independent fans podcast shouldn't also be named after the president of the club <laughs> like it's a bit too you know what i mean like we need I'm, to be angry if we need to be angry and we can't be angry when are I, you I, saying toughers can't get angry toughers <laughs> can get angry <laughs> Thinking. This is an we okay. We can figure this out off air, Mike. I can tell you're really he's really racking his brain right <laughs> now. We need to like focus on the agenda. <laughs> I was thinking like Robbie, because we had you know Rob Vincent. Now you have Mertz, but then I was like, this we need, were current. This needs to be somehow. timeless. This yeah, needs to be timeless. It can't be attached to like a certain player or whatever. Do we <sighs> Mon? No. Throw up a Twitter poll. Yeah, we'll get it down yeah, to like yeah, four. Yeah. We'll get it down to four names. We'll just take suggestions first. We yes, don't have yeah, to Twitter poll yet. We'll take suggestions first. All right. So we'll take suggestions. Okay. So one other question here. Bryce Davis III asked, with the recent land purchase, what stadium upgrades and additions would we like to see made for the continued improvement of the game day experience? So I think each of us needs to come up with one idea of things that we would like to see uh, happen at Highmark Stadium that we think would improve the game day experience. So with that said, Josh, you spend more time there than we do. So I'm going to throw to you first while we ponder 
ideas. Only one thing? Uh, if you have multiple, go with multiple. Oh, yeah, definitely. So first off, I would love standing stands for like the mm. the safe standing uh, for the supporter section. I've, I've thought about that in the past and how you know they use that venue for other things, not just for soccer. So you have to have some ability to have seats there as well. So maybe like some seats that fold down, like almost like a bench that folds down so you can have it fold it up for when it's soccer then when you need to have you know ticket sales for concerts or whatever you can fold that down so that would work for that i would also love a restroom over on that side of the stadium because come on uh <laughs> steel arm could really use a restroom right there uh and then also i i don't i know we don't need the numbers right now for what we have we're not selling out we're not close to be selling out we're having great increase in uh attendance but we're not there yet but i feel like it would make the stadium look cooler and like a little bit more uh attractive for maybe concerts that kind of stuff if they were to wrap the stand around to our section in the uh supporter section so have the grandstand actually connect to uh the supporter section so that way it kind of looks like a little bit of like an l uh would look pretty cool yeah, that, would, that was going to be one of my things, was to just connect everything title together so there isn't that disconnect between the Steel Army and everybody else. And it just ties everything in. It keeps the noise level up. You're not losing it in between there at all. Um, I also thought it would be really cool. And this, it, it's funny that you know they purchased the land and immediately I think about the river, which they don't own. But it would be cool if there was like like cruise seats where there would be like a boat that just like rolls up and you could just like sit on the upper deck of a boat and watch the game from there. Although I don't know how, nah, never mind. The scoreboard would be there and you have trains. Yeah. And- you could totally like work something out with a gateway clipper and maybe like they have a special gateway clipper uh, hounds edition where during a game they, they roll out the gateway clipper. Everyone stands on the top of the gateway clipper and watches the game from the sideline over there. Cause you could still see the game. Like even with the scoreboard there, it's, it's fine. It could just be something fun. Maybe not even the whole game, maybe like a half or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Kev, do you have something? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all on board to make sure the view stays intact. I think that's kind of number one. So I know I would be shocked if they ever tried to fit even a little bit of stands on like the river side of the stadium. But I mean, that can, I would say that kind of needs to be maintained, that view. Um and then, yeah, I mean, the the L, the, the connect, you know, connection, the wraparound makes complete sense. I don't know if this next idea kind of thing makes sense from a cultural standpoint, from a financial standpoint. Um, but I think it would be kind of interesting to toy with the idea of not necessarily like luxury boxes, but some kind of like, so right now you have like stadium seating and that's all you have. It'd be kind of interesting, I wonder, from a financial aspect to offer maybe it's just like a tier up uh, of saying okay like here, here's just an option of slightly fancier non-bench you know metal seating <laughs> that that if you want to bring in corporate people if you want to you know and, and all that kind of because let's be honest i mean like a corporate box i don't, I don't even want to call it that but but it's something of akin to that naturally feels a little bit more attractive just from the view of the city at sunset and all that kind of stuff than just a view of, you know, and I, you know, an ice hockey rink or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's it, granted. Yeah. If you're into the sport more and it's it, whatever, but I, I think that could be interesting. Maybe offering different tiers of options for like, you know, the viewing experience for proceeding and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know how it would work, but it could be interesting. I mean, technically they have that with the, they have the, the box seats essentially uh, over on the same side that has the the pub. But the thing is, you can't really sit in those seats inside yeah. the, the building and see. Everyone just hangs out at the balcony because that's where you can see. Yeah. So you kind of have like stand at the balcony, watch the game from there, and then you go into the building to go get like your your free buffet and your personal bar and your personal restroom like area. So like they have it pretty nice up there. It's it's pretty cool that they they offer all that and that is a premium uh, ticket price. And technically, you can sit inside and watch the game, but you'd have to like look over people because they're all standing at the balcony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would need to be like the same side where like the press, the box grandstand. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would it would need to be there because yeah, I mean, like, gee, and have it like have it be open so you can just kind of sit there, feel the breeze off the river, and all that kind of stuff. Like perfect view, arguably one of the best views in the city. Like that would be that would be yeah, that'd be incredible. So I think that'd be nice. What about covered stands? 
I mean, it's not, I mean, okay, we've had a lot yeah. of rained out games. It would be nice, but it's not something I feel like. I mean, from the Steel Army standpoint, it's not great because the sun's going to be setting the opposite direction anyway, so you're still going to get cooked. Oh, yeah, we're going to get cooked no matter what. But, but for everybody else in, like, soaked. rain, yeah, you could stay dry. No, I mean, that would be nice. I just don't know. I guess, to me, that seems so outlandish because of how much construction would go into it. Oh, right, it. yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I, what could you do to make a better experience for the fans? I think That's fair. Yeah, dry. covered seating yeah. would be cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think the end result there makes a lot of sense, but from a, from an aesthetic kind of atmosphere standpoint i wonder if that would kind of close off the stadium a bit too much i think once again the benefit of the stadium right now is the views is the openness Mm. is the kind of connection with the river and the city and i think even if you put a partial roof over that um around the stadium around the stands maybe it won't i don't know but uh, it it could i don't know it could kind of disconnect you from the nice environment you could also just do it on the grandstand side, yeah, like yeah. Uh, leave the other that side open. Yeah. So that way it's just kind of like, you know, especially for premium sitting up there, that kind of stuff, it would be nice. I, I, there's a lot of stuff they can do. But also um, the original question was, you know, what do we think they're going to do? Um, Tuffy mentioned a couple of things that they wanted to do uh, starting out, like making more point of sales uh, spots, that kind of stuff, because there are a lot of places where they're, they're just, you know, not utilized space very well. And they could totally make it a lot more places where you can get a beer, get food, that kind of stuff. Yeah, more food, more beer, bigger team store, hopefully shorts, which I keep pining for. Um, An yeah. actual Hall of Fame would be kind of cool. Like right yeah. now, there's not a place for the Hall of Fame. They just have those names on the glass on the balcony. It would be cool if there was an actual, like, kind of like a hallway with the, the pictures of everyone that who's in the Hall of Fame, what they did, like a little plaque and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some ideas, Bryce. That was a great question. Um, if anybody else has any ideas, feel free to share them on Twitter. We can have a little conversation about it and maybe, again, vote some up and give the hounds some some ideas uh, for some things that we'd like to see, which is pretty cool. Guys, moving on. Hounds beat Swope Park 3-2. to two. Victory beverage. Um, right. Once again, I mean, Josh, you you're you got to be a little tipsy over there from all these victory beverages recently. <laughs> it's nice. It's a nice problem to have. I'm telling you, man. It's it, it, some of these seasons. It's felt you know a little dry. <laughs> yeah, um, we got goals from Valeski, Brett, and Velarde. Guys, first takeaway. I'm not even going to ask you because I just I want to dive into this. I don't know if there is a better feel good moment for me this season than Velarde's goal. Like the fact that basically what happened was there was a crappy. Uh, penalty called against us, which I really don't think was a penalty at all. Um, one of many. One yeah, of many. One of many. Uh, Josh, you get a yellow card for that just because, you know, you brought that up and you know, <laughs> that's how I feel. Everybody gets yellow cards in this one. Um, but anyway, so Park screw up the shot and we quickly break the other way. And it was Mertz who basically broke off three guys, crossed the ball to Velarde, who had some open field in front of him and just went straight at goal and buried it um you know there was no doubt that that ball was going in and then to see Mertz and Velarde sort of celebrating together the two rookies was just it was just awesome hashtag play the kids yeah. I mean that was that was a fantastic moment and it watching it from the stands and seeing it build up and and seeing how Mertz was able to pull the defenders towards him and kind of make all that space for Velarde and then that perfect pass yeah just right into his line and then Velarde actually, like he had to dribble around a couple of defenders. Like it wasn't like he was just a straight shot. He yeah. he had to show some footwork and getting it in goal on target. Everything is just as he was, was like falling great. and yeah, getting wrecked oh, yeah. and yeah. yeah. But yeah, just to see the giddy smile on both their faces as they celebrated together was just awesome. And it, it kind of like I I I know there was a lot of space in between the time where uh, Merch. Sh- uh, passed the ball to Velarde, but it, it was almost like instantaneous when he showed up right next to Velarde after the yeah. goal and like they were like hugging. I'm like, how did he get all the way over there? <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> Mertz is everywhere. Yes. Um, Andrew Brick on twi- on Twitter asked, should we start worrying about Robbie Mertz getting picked up by an MLS side? Kev, are you worried at all about him getting picked up by an MLS side? I don't even want to think about that. Like, let's not ruin the nice moment. It's like, you know, it's... I, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. It, it, to be honest, I don't. I don't watch a ton of MLS, I, so it's hard for me to kind of make the connection between, you know, what cuts it at the MLS level and what doesn't, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Mertz is having an incredible season. I think. I think if he has a second season like this, then yeah, I think we are 
more legitimately talking about him moving on. But at the same time, I mean, Josh, you've talked about it in the past. Look, this this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, we don't want to if we have if we have players that are being picked up for MLS. I mean, I don't know. I I, I can't I'm not going to be able to explain it in the way I want to. But I think if we're realistic here, you know, we're never we're never going to like not not even outbid, but just, you know, like be a bigger attraction for you know, a US-based soccer player than an MLS team. It's just not going to happen. And so if 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 it, the best thing we can do is say, you know, fine, if you, if you think you're good enough to play in the top tier, you know, in, in the MLS and all that kind of stuff, come here, prove it. And we'll benefit from your performance for a couple of years. You know, we'll benefit from your great play and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of it, great. We'll we'll kind of send you on your way with with good wishes and we'll take the profit of whatever, you know, the MLS side comes in and buys you for or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it, so it, it's, it's kind of these things where it, this inevitably happens for, I think, I think this inevitably happens for a team in the USL who has, you know, a player that is playing really, really, you know, really well and, and consistently well. I, I don't think it's anything to be worried about. I think it's something to be almost like a proud fan about. Like I would like just thinking of like Zach Steffen, like yeah. I know he was only on loan to us. It wasn't like he was a, a Riverhound, you know, signee or anything like that, but still seeing him play in front of us and then watching him on the big stage. That's awesome. Like there's, that was like a really cool feeling. I don't feel like sad. It's more like, Holy crap. This is so cool that we got to see him develop. Same thing with, uh, you know, I wish, uh, Robbie Vincent would have worked out better for DC United. Like watching him go to DC United, I had no interest in that team mm-hmm. at all. But because of him, I watch every game, <laughs> hoping to see him play. And so it's it's not something to be worried about, especially for a young player. The only thing I'm worried about is him going too soon because I want to see him succeed. I don't want to see him leave too early, get you know on the bench, never get playing time, and just kind of like floundering and then feeling discouraged. Like I wanted him to go when when they're actually going to play him. Yeah. I mean, that's the argument anywhere, right? I mean, that was the whole thing with Pulisic going to Chelsea was like, well, you know, is he going to get as much to playing time as he was getting yeah. at Dortmund? Um, but I, I do, Josh, I agree with you 100% where I feel like if he goes, then it, it's sort of because of the relationship that we can have with the players here in Pittsburgh, then you're almost taken on that journey a bit with them. And so when Robbie Vincent went to DC, we were all sort of in DC with them. And when Zach Steffen got signed by Man City, we were like, ha ha! that was one of us even though like you know he was only on loan with us for a little bit but the fact that you got to see him in person he was there you got to high five him like that's a cool thing so um yeah i think that again kevin i i think you're right i think it's gonna take a lot for mls to take notice i think because robbie already got sort of a look at mls and they said no and that's why he's here um but, I mean, you know, you, you even look at somebody like Nico Brett, who was in the Golden Boot race last year, and we we're like, wow, he's doing fantastic. He was turned down from MLS, and now he's here. So I think it's one thing to be sort of a, a, a top player in USL, and it's another thing to be sort of a middling player in MLS. And I think that sometimes it's difficult to for us who watch USL all the time to understand what the difference between those two things are. Yeah, I mean, like, just bringing it back to... Robbie Vincent, like Robbie Vincent, do we feel like Mertz is where Vincent was when he left? I don't feel like he's there. He's good, but he's yeah. not Vincent level right now. And Vincent didn't, you know, cut it out too well for DC. Like, I'm not even talking about the injury that he uh, suffered just before that. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time, like he said on that interview he did with him, that, you know, he was trying hard to find a place where he would fit into the team. So it, just because you're good here doesn't mean you're going to be good in MLS. And, it is a different level. I th- and I think in these scenarios, we need, as a club, the club needs to get out a- get out ahead of this and plan for their future. Like we've been you know, five, ten years down the line. And, and we need to make sure if we have a player like this on our books that they leave kind of on our terms plus their terms. We don't want to be a club that kind of holds people back. I mean, because players talk and be like, oh, don't go there. They didn't let me go when a good opportunity like, you know, presented itself and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we, we should be in a scenario where, you know, his, 
his contract doesn't run out and then he goes on a free when we don't want him to or anything like that. Like the club should be having conversations with Robbie right now and, and kind of plotting out his next two, three years um, and, and make sure that like, you know, he goes when we're, when we're ready for him to go and when he's ready to go. I mean, it's basically like the Francois effect, right? Where the Hounds signed Francois and then turned around and sold his rights to Ottawa. In theory, we got something for that. And I don't know if that's really happened before in the USL. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure it has, but yeah, like not for the hounds. It hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't for the hounds. (laughs) But like even on the USL show, they were kind of stunned. Like, has anyone remembered this happened before? And nobody could remember it happening before. So it very well may have. But I mean, this is commonplace in any other league. It's just. Yeah. in in the way like soccer is growing in the US, the way the leagues are growing with, with, with how much money is getting in at all levels of the U.S. soccer system, I mean, this is going to start happening more. This isn't, isn't going to go backwards. We're not going to see less and less players go for fees and all that kind of stuff. This is only going to happen more. So, yeah, the club just need to be smart about player contracts and all that kind of stuff and, and make sure that we're keeping the players we want to keep and and kind of, yeah, moving on the players that we don't want. And I feel like we are doing that. Uh, Lily's system, the way he plays the, the guys, like – Mertz isn't like our only goal scorer right now. Like if Mertz were to leave, we still have plenty of people who are scoring goals for us. He's tied right now for second most goal scored at six. Brett has seven, you know, Kerr's five, and then everyone else is three or below. So it, we have people who can take up that spot. So I, I feel like we are in a good spot and it's, it's just kind of a testament to the way Lily builds his team where he doesn't want there to be a star where it's easy to close them down. He wants everyone to be able to contribute to the scoreline. And uh, yeah, so it makes me feel a little bit better about the situation because I don't feel like I did when I saw Robbie Vincent leave where I'm like, there goes our, our one you know shining star. Same thing with uh, Angulo. Jose Angulo, when he left, it was like, oh boy, uh, what's going to happen next? So. Yeah. Yeah, speaking about, oh boy, um, guys, I guess getting back to this game a little bit, one of my other takeaways was that, especially in the first half, I watched the first half live and then I ended up getting dragged away and watched the second half the following day, but um, the first half it felt like we had a major disconnect in midfield, and obviously when you have players like Kenny Forbes and Kevin Kerr on the bench, you're going to have a drop-off, but specifically I thought, you know, Kasai sort of went missing. He had a number of turnovers. I know on the on the full ninety, somebody mentioned they thought Kasai had a great game. I like the their first goal was basically because of a turnover by Kasai right outside the eighteen. Um, I counted at least three or four bad turnovers. There were times he just went missing, and Dabo just sort of took over the midfield himself, sort of playing that Kenny Forbes role. But it felt like at least at the beginning. There was this massive disconnect where there was just no central midfield. We're so used to having Kenny Forbes roaming around and sort of making things happen, and instead it felt like we were we were relying much more on our wide players, Mertz and Velarde, or just going long balls over the top and having Valeski run onto them. And I don't think that that's necessarily a problem um, because we sort of made it work. Granted, it was against the worst team in the in the league, but I just found it to be interesting. There there was a definite drop off there and, and the guys definitely came out and turned it around in the second half picking up the two goals rather quickly but what were your guys thoughts I know obviously we have to have the rotation because we're playing the Red Bulls on Wednesday um, so you know you want to rest up some of the guys for the best team in the league but what was your overall impression of sort of this not necessarily a makeshift lineup but definitely not the starting 11 that we're used to Kev I mean I, th- I thought it was fine enough I mean we, we were coming in against one of the worst teams in the league and i think it's i think we need to expect as fans that it's reasonable to make these kind of changes to the squad um and honestly yeah i mean i i think i think largely we played pretty well i i know leading up to this match i was kind of not ridiculing but i wasn't taking swope seriously at all i was like yeah we'll 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 destroy him it'll be four now whatever um I was impressed by, by how well Swope played. I thought they had some moments where they really kind of strung, strung together some nice counterattacks and attacking opportunities. So in in light of that, I mean, it, it would be one thing if, if they were just crap and then we were crap and just gifted them everything. Um, but I thought Swope put some pressure on us, and it wasn't just us playing poorly. I thought Swope played pretty well. So, no, I, I think there are points in the season where you need to do this. This was one of those games. And I think given the circumstances that they, they 
this makeshift squad, if you want to call it, did did perfectly fine. Josh, what was your take on how things shook out? I mean, at the moment, I was kind of uh, not exactly thrilled to see the lineup and was kind of worried. And as the first half went on, I got more worried. I never felt comfortable this whole game. Even when we were up 3-1, to one, it felt like the way the ref was calling stuff and the way the team was kind of not in shambles, just not clicking as well as it usually does. It, it felt like we're one fluke goal away from, you know, getting a point out of this instead of three. Um, but with that said, if you're going to play the kids, this is the time to play the kids. <laughs> like, this is the worst team in the league. This is when you do it. And he also, like, we had the the backup there to come on if need be, which Forbes did end up coming on. So mm-hmm. it, I never felt like this was a game that was going to completely get out of our grasp. Um, but I did feel like this could have been a lot more nervy than it needed to be when I don't think of the fact that we have Red Bulls midweek. Like, this was the smart decision. This is this is a rotation for – this isn't rotation for rotation's sake. This was definitely a tactical decision to make sure we had the best squad we – we could for Wednesday against the best team in the league. I mean, also we're talking about a lot of changes here in the starting 11, but if you, if you kind of break it down into sections, I mean, we have our, I, I would say our first choice back four mm-hmm. and Dover Greenspan, Adewale and James, they all start. So, that, I mean, that's going to provide you a really solid platform regardless. And then if you look at like four of our attacking players, you know, Velarde, you know, Velarde has been playing well recently. So that's, I wouldn't say that's like a, a a change for you know, for fitness sake. Uh, Robbie Mertz obviously playing well. Nico Brett obviously playing well. And Christian Veleski. I feel it. Like I've been wanting to see him get more starts. He scores every time he plays. It feels like so. I mean, you know, that back four and that kind of front four. I mean, that's that's solid. And 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 you can make an argument that even for a mid table, you know, side or even in you know like a top six side. Those are reasonable. Those are reasonable eight players to start with, and so, and, and I would say if if you do want to try to get away with anyone, it would be in the midfield. I, th- I think in in a lot of scenarios, especially in the USL, you need to be better in both eighteen yard boxes. You need to be you need to be good in your eighteen yard box. You need to be good in the opposition's eighteen yard box, and in the middle, you can kind of get away with tactics and you know work ethic and all that kind of stuff, and every and everyone can kind of make up for each other there, but. Um, you know, and we prioritize that. Our, I think our defense is great there, and, and our offense ha- has been clicking. I think that, uh, you know, I totally agree with that. I think that um, Dabo did a, a, a decent job um, filling in. I think the problem was more along the lines of instead of playing the traditional sort of 5-3-2 that we've been playing, it was sort of more of a flat 4-4-2. So Dabo just couldn't be everywhere in the midfield sort of the way that Kenny Forbes is when he sits there. I think that's the way forward too. I mean, this is it. It seems like at least two, if not three, if not four games in a row, we we played with the back four. Yeah. So I mean, Kev, I know you kept talking about we need to be brave and play with the back four, and there were a number of times where it was Toby and Greenspan sort of defending one on one, and they did it. I mean, they they get the job done. So I mean, again, the more you see that, the more confidence you have to do something like this. So uh, so yeah, it, it was just interesting. Um. Guys, other takeaways. What else? Uh, what else did you like? What else did you not like from this game, Josh? What What do you got? Um, I really thought the the storyline for the first goal with Valeski was fantastic because he gets the header, hits the bar, and it comes <laughs> off the bar, and it's like you feel devastated for him because he was so close. And then we get the corner. Corner. Who takes the kick? Was it uh, Velarde take the kick or? Mertz? I can't I think, remember who took the I kick. I think it was Velarde, but I could be wrong. I, yeah, I totally forgot who t- takes the kick. But anyway, so it gets kicked in, and he gets the header again, and this time it goes in, and it's just like, yes, second time. <laughs> like, I thought that was pretty awesome. It was fun to see, and I don't know. Every once in a while, you find those narratives in a game, and it's kind of fun to you know tease those out. Well, and he was dominant. I mean, Valeski was dominant this game. Like I felt like he was everywhere, in in sort of the way that I think – in previous games, Brett has sort of been everywhere. He's been the up top guy chasing everything down, and Brett was sort of the underneath guy in this one. And I thought Brett did a good job using his physicality in this game to create plays and space. And obviously, Brett got his goal as well. Mm-hmm. But no, I was I 
not that I haven't been impressed with Valeski up to this point, but this was the game that I sort of watched and I went, oh yeah, yeah, like he he can he can play that spot. He's all right. He's got it. Kev, uh, what takeaways you got? Well, I'll take the opportunity to, I don't know, kind of try to balance out my narrative of how I feel about the Hounds lately. And I'll take the opportunity to kind of point out, I think, some things that we didn't do too well um, in this game. I, I think the only things that kind of caused the game to be as tight as it was, I, I would say it would be three things. One, the refereeing decisions. Um, two, I thought Swope played pretty well. And three, the thing I want to talk about is, I think in moments, and this could be the fact that it was just Kasai and Dabo instead of like Kenny and Kerr. Um, but I, I really like how aggressive in the defense we are, especially at home, how, how much players want to quickly close the opposition down, how much they want to press, how much they want to win the ball back. That's all really, really, really good. Um, but I think at times, especially in this game, uh, we kind of got caught up in that mentality a bit too much and we would, we wouldn't know when to bring it back down a gear and we would want to kind of for 10 minute stretches, we were just kind of, you know, playing at that frequency that was just a bit too high, even in possession. And I think that's when like, you know, Kasai gives the ball away and all that kind of stuff. I think there, there were times where we were kind of pushing it a bit too much and we got caught up in our own aggression and we would kind of force passes that weren't there and, and, and give the ball away and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's good, but I think maybe that's the next step for this team to go up a level is to learn how to, be more in control of of how they kind of manage themselves through through the game through a full you know through a full 90 and, and kind of flip that switch of okay we need to be aggressive in this five minute period you know go you know both in defense and attack and okay now we need to scale it back and all that kind of stuff i think sometimes that could that could be our downfall and i think it was um somewhat in this game um i don't know if you guys also felt like that, but that's honestly going to be like the only negative thing I'll say about this game. I just wanted to get it out there. though. No, I mean, that's an interesting point um, because it definitely, I agree. This game sort of played out in waves. Like a lot of games will be played out in waves, but I think, yeah, I mean, if you get a team in the USL that can sort of collectively operate at that level, I think that is the next level. And I think that we've been seeing the Hounds take progressive steps over the course of the season where at first we were like, well, you know, is the defense really that good? Like we're leaking goals. Now the defense is shut down, you know, solid. And now we're, we're knocking goals away. Like it's nothing. But again, those goals tend to come in, in waves where it's like, we look amazing for 10, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now we're under a lot of pressure. Um, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting concept. I think that's something we'll definitely have to look for here moving forward um and, and and i mean a lot of that might be solved by just having kenny back on the field because <laughs> i think he <laughs> he is he is the um conductor yeah in 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 this chaotic you know storm uh he he definitely has the wherewithal to put his foot on the ball and slow everything down so it it, it very well might have been a product of dabo and kasai maybe not playing together you know a lot not having a lot of game time um so but but regardless, I, I think yeah, the the team as a whole need, need to be switched on enough to to kind of do that collectively. Let me ask you, Kev. You mentioned you know you thought that a four man backline is the way to go moving forward. If that's the case, how do you set up the team with the starting eleven? Say Wednesday. Say you have your your full your full choice. Are you doing yeah what, no a, I, four five one? I, I still think it's like a four-two-three-one. Um, I think that system makes a lot of sense because the biggest thing I still I still think that we're, we suffer from is a lack of pace in the side, and I think our, our fastest players are our fullbacks and Ryan James and Jordan Dover. So that we need to give them a chance to actually use that and get up the flanks and all that kind of stuff. But our our wider creative players they're not necessarily quick. I mean, you can make a you can make a case for for Mertz, but Kerr isn't going to run past anyone. Um, you know. Brett, Brett isn't lightning. You know, he he's he's quick. He's athletic, but he's not gonna. He doesn't want to take someone on and, and just run past them. DeSantos definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say DeSantos is is you know is feels more like that as well. So and, and I think a four two three one kind of it it plays to those kind of traits and characteristics. So I think I would stay within that structure. But no, I mean this is what I was talking about uh, with Justin last week. Um, I, I struggle with how to fit Funky Zeal in this. Um, I think what you can do 
is stay with the back four we had in this game in Dover, Greenspan, Adewale, and James. Um, and then I think you can do Kenny and Vonky Azeel and the two holding midfielders. Um, and then have the three of, I'd say, let's say Kerr, Mertz, and Dos Santos in the middle with Brett up top. I think that's probably what I would go with. I think that Where makes was sense. Forbes at in there? Forbes is one of the holding midfielders with okay, Vonky gotcha. Azeel. Yeah, yeah. Ne- okay. yeah next, next to Vonky Azeel. I think that makes sense. And then you have a lot of power (laughs) coming off the bench. Um, Yeah, I mean, so like what, you know, Velarde doesn't start. uh, Valeski doesn't start. Um, You you know, you stuff Dabo on the bench. Um, So, yeah. I like that. I mean, there for a while, that's what we were doing as far as the the subs were coming in. Like, it was almost like clockwork, like, uh, you know, 65th or 75th minute. You would have Velarde and Valeski get switched in up top and it's like okay here's this pairing compared to this pairing it was just one or the other i mean i will say i don't know i I think another small problem we could be having here is i think velarde is better when he starts i i don't think i i don't think you get a lot out of him when you sub him on i I think it takes him a while to kind of work himself into the game but yeah i mean his goal mike as you as you mentioned it was he you know he he has he has like the technical ability that not a lot of other players can execute on the field with that goal. I mean, it, it wasn't just like he ran past the guy. You know, he he drives at the guy and does a little like shoulder fade, shake, sends the guy one way and just kind of. And it, he didn't need to take a big touch. He couldn't take a big touch. If he took a big touch, it was yeah, a Swope Park player was there to take it away. Every, everything about the goal was perfect, and so he has a lot of ability. But I I, I just wonder if he needs. If he needs 60 minutes rather than 30 to kind of work himself into the game. Well, and I think, too, when we started off the season, there was a lot of signs of him being really good. And then I can't remember if he started getting subbed in or what it was, but it felt like there was a definite drop off. And maybe it was that case, Kev, where you said he needs 60 minutes. But it feels like this game was sort of the culmination of him working himself back into that form that we were all hoping for when he got signed where it was he gets the ball and you're like okay cool like now something's gonna happen and so that's why I think part of the feel good is not just what happened in that moment but it was sort of everything building up for him over the course of the season to see him pick up the ball drive straight at the goal and just bury it um you see the confidence and I think that was one of my other takeaways was regardless of what was happening on the field you could feel the guys oozing with confidence in that Got you know guys from Swope would come in for a challenge, and you'd have every player taking one or two touches and just trying to get around them rather than trying to get rid of the ball right away. Um, and so this team, I mean, it, it, we're confident. I mean, that's what a number of wins will do, and it'll be really interesting to see how that carries over into this game on Wednesday. But uh, yeah, any other takeaways from this one, guys? I mean, it's. It, I think Lily said it himself, you know, not all the games are going to be pretty, but these are the kind of ones that you got to scrap out a win. And we scrapped out a win and you take the three points and you move on to the next one. So still undefeated at home this season is uh, amazing. Like that's just one of those things that is so cool to see because at Highmark, it hasn't always been the case at Highmark. We've seen a lot of losses at Highmark. So this season has been really special in that way. It's also interesting because we are, what are we now, 3-3-3 three, three, and three away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, <laughs> anyone's guess what's going to happen on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so with the win, the Hounds are in sixth place. we got two games in hand over most of the teams above us. Indy actually has played one game less than we have. So we're in our prime position here to end top four. Uh, you know, I think Lily was making the argument we can go even higher, which you know who knows we're not that far off the pace we've definitely separated ourselves from seventh place if you yes. look at the table i mean there now there is a clear gap between sixth and seventh so there there is this top six now um that are kind of you know jostling for spots uh, as we come into the running yeah. of the season for those who haven't looked at the table we are at six with 38 points louisville is at seventh with 36 points but they've played two more games than we have so we have two more points but have played two less games um and with that 38 points uh you know if we had played our full slate of games and say that we won both of them then we'd currently be sitting in third place above nashville with 44 points so you know, take that for what it is. There's still a lot of soccer to be played left, but uh, but that's sort of where we're sitting right now. Um, guys, one of the things the Steel Army pointed out today 
you know, we only have 13 games left, which feels ridiculous. We always get to this point in the season where I'm like, we just started, like, you know, we got lots to talk about, and it's like the season, gone. Um, 13 games left. Four of them are against teams that are currently above us in the standings. Two of those games are this week. So New York Red Bulls 2 and North Carolina FC. Four of those games are against teams that are below us but in a playoff position, and five are against clubs currently out of the playoffs. So when you sort of look at the balance of what we have left, we have 13 games left. Nine of those are against teams that are below us in the rankings. So that that bodes fairly well if you just want to sort of look at an averages sort of thing. Obviously, like I just said, there's a lot of soccer to be played. Only four of those games being against teams above us, and two of those games are this week. So basically, we're going to get to Sunday... And we're going to have a pretty good idea of what we got to do here to sort of stay where we want to stay or move up or things like that. Let's say that, you know, we take care of business against the teams we need to. How are we feeling about the remainder of this season? I, I, I sort of compiled it. You know, if we have 38 points, 13 games left, how many points do you think the Hounds get in those last 13 games? That's too many games to count. I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the last. Here's what I'm gonna do. I, yeah. I did I'm give you a qualitative uh, feeling. All right, all right. Give me your qualitative feeling, and then I've done the math, and I'll give you an over/under, and you're gonna give me what you're picking. So, Kev, give me your qualitative feeling about just let's just say, just looking at it, four teams that are currently above us, everyone else is below us in the standings. How are you feeling about these last 13 games? Honestly, it's it's less about the teams we're playing and it's more about where we're playing them. And I think right now we have two more away games than home games. Um, and I think that's the bigger thing I'm, I'm not concerned about, but focused on. Um, because once again, I, I don't, I feel like we can, you know, bring anyone to Highmark and I'm not, you know, the worst I'm predicting is a draw. Um, so the fact that we have yet yeah, uh, more away games is, is the frightening thing, but yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the Red Bulls game is going to be massive. We'll get, I'm sure we'll talk about it maybe in more depth in a second. But, um, I, you know, I, maybe maybe a loss in the top four games, maybe two, and then like a draw on one win. And then I feel really good about all the other, what, eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, I, that, that's, that's all I'll say for now. I mean, but but... I, I think the biggest thing is going to be how we react to when, you know, we talked about it, I think, when Justin was on, like how we react when we get punched in the teeth. Um, we're, there's going to be a game where we don't play well and we lose. Like, probably. We'll probably lose <laughs> a game from between now and the end of the season. And it, it's about how we kind of bounce back from that that I'm most, most interested in. If we, if we can bounce back and, like, the next week get a win or something like that, then, then yeah, I'm, I'm really confident about finishing in the top four. Josh, how you feeling? Yeah, um, so New York has me re- like kind of questioning what I care about seeing here because it, it, obviously I want us to win every single game possible. But if we're going to lose one of these two games coming up, it should be against New York because New York, we're not chasing first place. Like I, honestly, we're, no one is expecting us to get first place. So if we're not chasing first place, it's okay to drop points to the first place team. It's not okay to drop pl- uh, points to the fifth place team because they're right above us. Yeah. We need those. We if out of those two games, we need North Carolina more than we need New York. So like, if we don't win on Wednesday, I honestly am not going to feel concerned. My all you know bets are riding on. North Carolina. That that's the game we need to win because we have to get up to fourth place. Like fourth place is the goal here, as far as I'm concerned. Third place would be icing on the cake, but fourth place is a home playoff game. That's what we should be shooting for. So don't you know be too upset about New York if they win. Be upset about uh, North Carolina. Which is interesting because I mean we'll we'll get into it in a little bit, but um, it feels like. Based on the fact that we're playing three games in a week, some of the guys that saw time, like Mertz, maybe we won't see against North Carolina. Um, or maybe we won't see him against Red Bulls. Maybe that's the plan. Who knows? We'll see. But anyway. Back Mertz to- is young. He, he can play both. <laughs> Mertz is young. Here, kid. Have, I, I was going to ironically say, here, kid, have a Red Bull um, and get out there. But, I mean, there, that's what you could do. All right, guys. So, uh, let's look at this. So, I, I crunched the numbers. We got 13 games left. I'm going to set the over-under at 27 points, which is basically eight wins, three draws, and two losses. 
So, again, there's four teams that are ahead of us in the standings. Out of that, everybody else is beneath us. I'm saying we get eight wins, three draws, and two losses, which is 27 points. Are you taking the over or the under on that? Kev, you're looking away from the microphone, so I'm going to pick on you first. Honestly, I, I think I'd probably take the under. Um, but but just. Uh, yeah, I, so you're thinking it's like seven wins and four draws, something like that? Or even something more ridiculous, like we don't lose, but we like split with like wins and draws like <laughs> that's like that's the cuts the kind i mean i know i think th- there's going to be a loss in there um but it, i think my only worry is especially with more of the away games on the docket um that we could see a slight return to to more draws than we'd like and i think that just could that could push us down more um yeah i'd take the under on it josh what are you taking yeah, um, it's the fact that we have so many away games and the fact that we have three midweek games uh, left that concerns me. That's a lot of, you know, double double bookings there. So it, it's one of the situations where if that was what we were to get as far as points goes, I wouldn't be, you know, pulling my hair out if I had any hair. Um, but if it's, if it doesn't happen though, like I, I want more points to that. I want to take the over, like, I, I feel like we should get more points to that, but I'm, I'm setting myself up. I'm, I'm being that Everton fan that I am that, uh, I'm setting myself up for that realization that this might happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, even if it's one loss and four draws, you're now at the over, which, you know, or, you know, you, you go nine wins and a few more draws, something like that. But I, yeah, I think, that's sort of where we're at, and I think one of the things that we saw at the end of last season was the Hounds sort of not necessarily limp their way into the playoffs, but you know got in and maybe weren't playing the best soccer. And so I think that the more important thing to me is less about the points. I do think getting that home field playoff game is going to be huge. To do that back-to-back years, to pack Highmark, have the same mm-hmm. sort of experiences is, is going to be massive, but... Almost as important as I want to see these guys going in, playing the right way, um, and sort of you know if if we go into North Carolina and we beat them three nothing, like super, like that feels great, um, and and that's the kind of that's the kind of team you want to see going into the playoffs versus somebody that's going in and, and drawing you know nil nil against North Carolina or something like that. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, Guys, let's talk about New York Red Bulls, too. It's a short week, as we've said. Um, They're the top team in the East. We play them on Wednesday night. Bad news is Red Bulls have only lost twice at home all season. They're 10-2-2 at home, and the Hounds have never beaten the Bulls on the road. We are 0-5-0 all time, like not not even drawing against the Bulls. Um, Now, that said, we beat them 3-0 at home earlier this season. So... What are we thinking here? Josh, you already said that you felt like if you're going to put all of your cards into one of these games, it's North Carolina. But, you know, I, I will say, you know, Red Bulls played Hartford this weekend and went down one nothing and looked like the lesser team until Hartford got some crazy double red card yeah. and uh, <laughs> and had to go down the nine players. It was, it was two red cards in the same play. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and had to go down to nine men, and you're just not going to beat the Red Bulls when you're down at nine men. And so I think yeah, Lee gonna... was one of those red cards, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I watched the game; it was ridiculous. But so this is a situation where I, I honestly don't feel like any team in the East is is far and away better than the Hounds. We can win against any team in the East. I honestly do believe that. So it, it's it's not so much of a situation where I feel like we're going to be outplayed. It's more of a situation where it's a midweek game. It's a way we have this chip on our shoulder with Red Bulls. I still remember going to a playoff game, you know, one of the only other playoff games we've been in in the last couple of years, uh, taking a bus to uh, Red New Bull York Arena. and yeah. watching them lose, which sucked because there was like also no one there. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a situation where it's it's I I just don't have confidence in away games at Red Bull Arena. Or not Red Bull, but against Red Bulls. Yeah, they're not playing at Red Bull Arena, are they? Because they usually play at the other arena now. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, they're playing at the other place. That's a little bit better, at least. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I feel like we could win this game. But I honestly, if we got a point out of this, I would be ecstatic. Yeah, Kev, how are you feeling about this game? 
I mean, I think this is like the clash of the Titans. I mean, Mike, you, you like you mentioned us beating them um, last time we played them. That yeah, that's also the last time the Red Bulls lost <laughs> was was Oof. in was in June when we beat them in June. Ever ever since then, they have they haven't lost a game. You know, they put eight past Atlanta, five past against Hartford. And I mean, granted, yeah, there are red cards involved. Um, actually, there's freaking tons of red cards in their games. <laughs> If you're if you're looking back at there was a red card in the game that we played them in, mm-hmm. and then since then there's been 60 70 percent of their games involved red card. That's kind of crazy, um, but yeah, I mean we're we're both the the form teams. I mean we're on a crazy run of form. They're on a crazy run of form. Um, yeah, it, it, and I think the other good thing is they had to travel to Hartford, and now they're coming back. So it wasn't like they had two back-to-back home games. They, they they couldn't just stay in New York for this. They will have been on the road in the weekend. So, I mean, that's uh, I'm trying to find small benefits for us here. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really, really good game. Um, and I'm not by any means resigning us to you know staying to the script of history with with losing at, at the Red Bulls. I think it's. I think at best right now, like the betting odds have to be, you know, it has to be around a draw, if not slightly favoring the Red Bulls, but it's not going to be by much. I think it's favoring the Red Bulls, but at the same time, I feel like this team is kind of inconsistent. Uh, talking about the Red Bulls, you never know what to expect with them. Granted, they are on top of the table and they haven't lost games since the last time they played us, but still, uh, <laughs> midweek game, you don't know what to expect. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to point out was the fact that, so. If the Red Bull, like, how important is it to the Red Bulls to win this game? That would be my question, I guess, uh, to Mike. What do you think? Do you think they feel like this is a must-win? No, I mean, they just jumped to the top of the table this weekend. So I think you sort of have that idea of, like, we're the best team in the East. Everybody's blo- I mean, it's kind of like the whole game that we just played where we said, oh, you know, we have 13 games left, but only four of them are against teams that are above us. New York is now looking at it and be like, everybody's below us. So, like, no game is necessarily a must-win um, in the same sense that we sort of look at must-wins. It's just, like, you're playing teams below you. You should win, and that's sort of the mentality going into it. The other question then would be the way that Lily had our lineup last weekend that implies that this is going to be our A squad. Does that mean he doesn't really think of the uh, North Carolina game as important? Because you can't play, he's not going to play the A squad and the A squad again. Are we going to see the A squad here? Or is he going to be more conservative and maybe play a mix like he did last week? Yeah, I mean, that's the tricky one, right? Because in theory, you're not going to you're not going to bench Kenny and Kerr for two games in a row, right? I mean, in theory, when we talk about it, the North Carolina game is the most meaningful from a points standpoint. But sort of looking at how things shook out, you're going to play Kenny and Kerr and try to take points away from the Red Bulls. So... yeah, yeah. I, 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 Lily's not going to do that. He he's not. And Lily and the players don't want to do that. They're not going to walk into this game and try to be. They're not going to try to like pick out their games that they're going to choose to. You know, but we can lose this game. No, they're 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 going to go hard for the Red Bulls game. Um, and I think honestly, if there is a point in the season where we can ask the players to go twice in a week, it might be this week. Um, because I, it, it feels like he has been rotating more recently than he has all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he could be gearing up for this, like, you know, for this week. Um, yeah, Kerr is well-rested. Bonky Zio got his first rest of the season last season. You know, Kenny got a rest. So I don't think it would be out, completely out of the question to have our kind of, you know, our big hitters, our, our, our main starting 11 go twice uh, against Red Bulls in, in North Carolina. So I think it's possible. Um, but, yeah. All right. Score prediction. Um, I guess I'll go first since I always pick on you guys. Um, oh, man. Like, uh, so the thing is, is that Red Bulls score in bunches. And if they don't score in bunches, then they tend to, they tend to be a team that gets frustrated. Hence, sort of the the sea of red cards that we see. So I could see this being a game where you know, similar to that, I shouldn't say similar. 
it's it's similar, but it's also really different from that game in Cincinnati last year, where Lily went in and said, "We're just going to park it and have them try to try to score on us and like just absorb all the pressure." And then start to hit on the counter. Um, once you absorb some of that pressure, you get them a little bit frustrated. They start making some, they try to force some passes, and then we counter. So I think in that regard, I don't see the Red Bulls scoring five goals on us. That's not going to happen. Are they going to get one or two? Mm, probably. But are we not going to get one or two in return with this lineup based on, you know, at this point in the season, we're averaging two goals a game, we're averaging one goal against per game. So I think it's a fair bet to say that Red Bulls get two, we get two, and who knows? So I'm I'm gonna I'm going Kevin, you're smirking at me because it feels like you want me to lean into a win. I'm gonna say it's a no, two draw. I'm, I'm 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 smirking at you because this is the longest explanation for the <laughs> simplest answer. Like it feels like yeah, the, you could have just said Lily Special. That's all you had. To say. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lily Special two two draw. The the cop out answer here is that oh, it's a, it's a it's a score draw. Like and that you, you just I had to rationalize it. I can't just throw that out there. This is why I pick on you guys first, so I can just say it's a two two draw. Kev, what's what's your score prediction here? Yeah. So logically, yeah, my my head tells me this is too like long. A you get a yellow card. <laughs> no, let's go. Logically, you know, it, it my mind tells me one, one or two, two. Um, but so you know how like sometimes you just kind of get hunches or you know feelings in your stomach when you're predicting these kind of games. And I can speak honestly here because usually I'm never like going nuts with my predictions. I feel something in me feels really good about this game. I I, I feel I feel like it like it would I could I could see us getting like a two nil or three nil against the Red Bulls because I, I think I think you're right. I think when things when things go right for us, they tend to go really right. And when things go bad for the Red Bulls, they tend to go really bad. Um, so if, if we hit that sweet spot, yeah, it, it's, I think it's, it's in the cards. Okay. So you're mm. saying a 2 nothing or a 3 nothing win. Yeah, so that's what my like, gut tells me. <laughs> you Logically, always, it's... Are, are you going to say not money, a loss? I'm not... I'm not putting loss. money on a two two no or three no win, but you know I'm putting money on a two two draw. I'm, I'm getting you a T-shirt, Kev, that just says "not a loss." That's, that's <laughs> not like, a loss. That's always your prediction. <laughs> Josh, what do you got? Uh, yeah, this is a hard one because I, I really do feel some anxiety about this one. I, I don't think we're going to perform as well as I want us to, and I, it's it's. It's not from the lack of trying from Lily and the guys. I, I do feel like they're, they're showing up for this game just from the way that they did the lineup uh, last week. And so it's hard to say, but I, I think we're going to see the reverse. I think we're going to see we, we won 3-0 last game. I, I'm going to say 3-0 the other way Oof. this time. I know it's harsh, but, but you know what? This is a game that if it is that way, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. No, I agree. That's correct. Like we're typically, we're all over the place. Yeah, we got to win, yeah. a draw, and a loss. So one way or another, we're I was, be right. I was leaning towards two two, and then you took two two. I was already looking at the stats. I'm like, oh, we haven't had two two draws since June eighth. So I'm looking at all this up, and then you said two two. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do the same prediction as you. <laughs> so then I talked myself into a terrible loss. <laughs> I'll, I'll contrast Josh here, and I'll actually, I'll, I would say I think it's personally more likely that we win three now than they win three now that's what i think yeah. Oof. you guys you i feel guys... like when they write the script for the season it makes more sense for us to lose three nil than for us to face them in the semifinals and have to you know overcome and you know that as far as the script goes it makes more sense to me yeah gotcha. no, that makes sense <laughs> guys that's a well-written script yes <laughs> um so I don't have it on the agenda, but we should talk about North Carolina as well. So North Carolina does not have a midweek game. They face us at home this weekend, August 17th, 7 p.m. Um, you know, we talked a lot about sort of how they're above us and how this is the game to, to really focus on. We have 21 games played. They have 23, and they're only two points ahead of us. So this is one where if we get a win, you know, basically we still, well, because they're not playing in midweek, we'll be one game back. But we'll basically, I mean, it'll be a six-point swing. We'll be at 41 points, and they'll be at 40, and we'll be at one game back, um, So, which would be huge. Um, but this might also be a case where North Carolina, not necessarily looking past us, North Carolina plays us, then they have a midweek game against Tampa, 
Then the following weekend, they play Louisville, who's in seventh. So they've got a pretty difficult stretch of these three games as well. That said, I don't think they're necessarily looking past us because they're looking at where we are in the standings and know they can get leapfrogged by us by a loss here. So I guess quickly, last time we played North Carolina, we beat them one nothing, um, And that was really, for them, it was only four games ago. Um, since then, they beat Atlanta United, too, which is no big deal. They lost to Indy, which Indy's above them in the table, and they beat Memphis 2-1, to which, again, both Memphis and um, Atlanta are at the bottom of the table. So they basically beat the teams they should have, and they lost to the team that's ahead of them. How are we feeling about – I mean, obviously, so much of this rides on what happens middle of the week. But, uh, you know, based on our predictions, Josh, how are you feeling about the game this weekend? Yeah, this isn't going to be an easy one either. I will, I keep on looking at you know statistics-wise, it kind of seems like it should be because I do think we're a better team than they are. But we do have this midweek game. Last time we played them, we only won 1-0, and we had our best lineup out there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, looking at our lineup, we, we had what we would be considering like with the Brett and, and Duba and James and Mertz and Forbes, Kerr, Dover. All those guys were out there. So it, this is a game where it's definitely winnable, and I feel like the pressure is on us in our expectations of this team uh, and the coach's expectation, the player's expectations. They're going to be this, this game's the one to win. And I, I do think we are going to win it. It's just not going to be a easy game. Kev. Yeah, I think this is the tough one actually. Um, I think if you look at the games that we have after North Carolina, look, yeah, North Carolina is a good team. And you know, with their positioning in the table, I actually think it's just paramount for us to go to North Carolina and just not get beat. I think a draw is perfectly fine here. Sure. Um, I think even, even if we lose against Red Bulls, I think a draw is perfectly fine against um, North Carolina to kind of keep the gap between us because then, yeah, they, they have a bit of a tough stretch. And then we have uh, of the next four games after North Carolina, three of them are at home. Um, against you know very winnable sides, um, so I, I think we we can make up the space in the table in the games after North Carolina. So it, I, you know we're going to be tired. Um, I you know it's it'll, it'll be a tough game. Uh, so um, I you know yeah, if we, as long as we can get a draw, I'll be happy. And I think that's that's probably on the cards. So let's say this: we get to Sunday of this week. I'll put the odds at three and a half. Do the Hounds get? Over three and a half points or under three and a half points from these two games this week, Josh? What do you think? Under. I'm I'm hoping for three. I mean, honestly, I would rather see us lose one and win the other, and I want North Carolina to be the one we win uh, than see us draw both games. Two points sounds good and all for not losing, but I would rather us lose against Red Bulls and win against North Carolina. Gabby, yeah, taking the over under. Uh, probably taking the under, but it, also that's not the end of the world. Like I said, I, I think it's like we can manage ourselves through these games. Even if we, like I said, even if we walk away with one point, if, if, as long as that one point's against North Carolina, um, I, you know, we can we can bounce back perfectly fine in the next four. So, yeah, I agree. This is a very different scenario than earlier in the season where we were saying over under, and we have to get the over. Like that, we we've sort of painted ourselves into a situation with the past few wins and I don't think I think we've lost once in the past 10 um we're in a much better position now and I think as long as we take care of business of the teams under us then we're fine so um yeah I'm gonna take the under as well um not necessarily thrilled about it but also understand that it's okay I mean along the track that you were just talking about I think the way you sell this Red Bulls this Red Bulls game to the fans and the players really if i was talking to the players I'd be like look you guys have earned the right to enjoy this game you know like you said in in the past we've we've there was pressure on us to put po- points on the board and climb the table we're at a place now where we can we can enjoy you know a game against the top team in the east we, we can enjoy that there's no pressure on us here just go out and play and enjoy the occasion and, and and play against you know a really good side and have it be a really competitive match and enjoy that um as a fan that's kind of how i'm painting this is like it's it's going to be nice sure like there's always some base level of pressure of, of wanting your team to win and wanting your team to get points but um i, I think where we're at in the season where we're at in the table the form we've been on 
I think we can kind of go out here and, and play with, with a lot of uh, freedom and, and hopefully that plays off. Yeah, it's like, so, you know, Jurassic Park style. This is the game where the Raptors are testing the fence. This is, you know, just the testing it out, seeing where their weaknesses are. They're not escaping yet, but, you know, as soon as anything gets goes down, they're, they're going to pounce. Yeah. I don't understand this at all. I don't understand. <laughs> you don't know Jurassic Park? No, I, I don't understand the metaphor. What do you mean? Who's the Raptors in this? In this? We are, obviously. Okay. We're testing the fence. I'm not saying we're going to escape and we're going to kill everyone yet, but <laughs> we're just we're like poking at it. And if we see yeah, the hole, yeah. we're going to bust through. Is, it. is, is the game's fence fun. is the fence the table or the Red Bulls? <laughs> I, listen, you're you're really <laughs> asking a lot of questions right now. It's Jurassic Park, Kevin. I'll there were dinosaurs. <laughs> ah. Uh, well, I think that's all that we have for this one, guys. We talked about a lot of different things. It will be very, very interesting to see what happens here over this week. Well, there's obviously a lot of soccer to watch. We didn't even talk about the fact that the EPL is back. Josh is rocking his Everton Ooh. jersey with what's it say on your sleeve, Josh? Um, um I'd rather walk alone. <laughs> I'd rather walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, if you're a soccer fan, this is a great time to be a soccer fan. Obviously, uh, you know, good luck to the guys in both New York and North Carolina. We will be back next Monday to talk about both games and get ready for the Hounds to return home. I believe it's a Friday game next week. So, uh, yeah, so much stuff going on. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head over to mongols.com here, all of our shows. There you can also click over to the store, get yourself some merch. You can follow us on Twitter at mongols. Email us at mongols at bgn.fm, at mongolspod on Instagram. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show, leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know doubt about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.